Kansas anymore. Are you ready? No, I'm just getting warmed up. This task was appointed to you. I said I want the truth! I say we take off and loop the entire site in Dodge this. I'm Catherine, and today I'm joined by our Head of Education, Lucy Brett, to discuss the film Mrs Doubtfire. Now, I'm really pleased we had this request in, because I absolutely adored this film as a child, and it was one we had on VHS that we watched over and over again. But for those who haven't seen the film, can you give us a quick little bit of background about it? Yeah, of course. I mean, Mrs Doubtfire was based on a popular book by Anne Fine, and it stars... Robin Williams, whose comic performance performances when the film came out were already legendary, and we'll come to those points again when we talk about disclassification. Robin Williams's performance in, in the film was really enthusiastically received by critics and by audiences, and the story is one in which Robin Williams is playing two parts. He's playing Father Daniel, who is desperate to take care of and see his three kids despite a cool rule ruling that he's sort of essentially unfit and his struggle to cope with how much he wants to see and be part of his children's lives as his marriage has fallen apart. And then he's also playing another character, which is the flamboyant nanny Ephigenia Doubtfire, who is a persona he's created with the help of his brother, who does uh, special effects, to make himself appear as a woman who can then work for his ex-wife looking after the children. So in his disguise as Mrs Doubtfire, Daniel gets to see his children, but the film is also about how he learns that perhaps sometimes there were lessons he needed to learn about responsibility, but also his ex-wife and his children learn that uh, there were some parts of, of Daniel's relationship with them which are kind of unmissable for them and that they need to be part of their lives. So it's a lovely story about families working together. And of course it is a family favourite, but it is one that had quite a surprising and complex history at the BBFC, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And I think that there's been lots of different versions. Students are often really surprised when we show clips from Mrs Doubtfire or talk about it, that it was a film that was the focus of a lot of BBFC attention when it was first made, not least because uh, sometimes when we speak about it, people can't remember the scene we're going to talk about because they actually only saw a cut version. So what did the BBFC examiners think when they first saw this film when it was submitted for classification? There are two points that's worth thinking about or if you if you want to understand how, how this film was received. So we should always bear in mind that it can't be stressed enough these days the appeal of the work and the eager anticipation of families and children to see it. This was a character they knew well, brought to life by an actor that was hugely admired and well-known for sort of his work with, with children's films and with adventures and comedy. It was based on Anne Fine's book for older children, which is actually called Miss, uh, Madame Doubtfire, and that was first published in 1987, so the book was still relatively recent, and it had become a hit on both sides of the Atlantic. And the popularity of the book meant that the film was eagerly anticipated by many UK families. So even before it came out, people really, really wanted to see it as families, and we know that that's the sort of factor that can, can happen, that there'll be a film coming out which families are so desperate to all see. And then the other bit of background that's quite worth bearing in mind is the showbiz rumour that that had it at the time that many of William's funniest lines in the films were ad-libbed and this is something that was often said about his performances and that was something that was certainly known to those people watching it because they were in fact the hallmark of many of his most famous performances. Whether it was ad-libbed or not, his performance was so sharp it created a rather more raucous, hilarious and perhaps sort of fruity comedy than people were expecting from this well-known book. In terms of what the key classification issues were, the biggest issue was a series of sex references 
which were considered to go at the time quite a way beyond public expectations at PG, which is, of course, one of the more junior categories and was the category that the film's distributor had requested. So a lot of discussion took place with the distributors about whether they should cut the film for PG with the focus eventually concentrating on one single scene, which many people might remember. It's a sort of climactic scene in the film in which the father, Daniel, is trying to have a business meeting on one side of the restaurant dressed as Daniel and trying to go to a family birthday dinner dressed as Mrs Doubtfire on the other side of the restaurant so there's a lot of comic shenanigans but there's an underlying uh, sort of emotional moment if you like for the character where dressed as Mrs Doubtfire Daniel is trying to put off the mum's new boyfriend so trying to say things about her that will put this new boyfriend off and he uses lots and lots and lots of euphemisms and sexual terms in a very funny way over four or five lines of dialogue but he's practically listing euphemisms so obviously I'm very sensitive to to who who might be listening but just to give you an idea he's saying things like he mentions a going down payment but he uses lots of euphemisms like hide the weasel park the porpoise a bit of Humpty Dumpty so they're kind of children's terms but the more and more of them that are used so he says like little Jack Horney the horizontal mambo these things stack up and there are some that go a bit stronger than we would probably say on this podcast Uh, and it ends with a joke that's also used in some Bond films about cunning linguistics so that will give you an idea a flavour if you like of the sort of things he's saying Um, it goes on with further comic hints at uh, sexual activity acts and um, paraphernalia but also uh, sexually transmitted infections and diseases so in a very comic way In this very sort of funny scene, he has started to veer into what we might consider these days as more moderate sex references. And this is always a really interesting area to talk about because what do you do if someone doesn't actually say something but the whole or certainly the grown-ups in the audience really do know what's being said? And where do we where do we step in and say children are going to begin to understand what's happening here and where do we leave it but all our public consultations have shown that people in the UK have a very interesting relationship with innuendo and and sex references in the films and the entertainment that they choose and we know that there's a huge tolerance for films with family appeal and has been over the years that have sex references children won't understand and they can range from anything to the sort of huge popularity of films like the carry-on films back in the day to the frequent fruity dialogue between Miss Moneypenny and James and James and his various conquests in the Bond films to even things like Little Britain um, and those sort of sitcom products that we get on DVD where there is quite a lot of sort of cheeky sex referencing. So it, it, it left the, the board with this complicated problem. You've got a film that loads of children want to watch with a star that they and their parents will really admire doing what he does best, which is ad-lib and comedy... But it's just coming out in this way that's perhaps a bit strong for the youngest audiences there. So what do you do? In the end, on the issue of sex referencing, the BBFC's director at the time, James Furman, could not be persuaded to allow this scene uncut in cinemas. So he went for a 12 for the film and the distributor eventually agreed to take a 12. So it was released with a 12 in early 1994. But of course, at this time, the 12 was a hard 12, wasn't it? It wasn't a 12A like today where an adult could decide if the film would be suitable for a younger person. So how did the public respond to that, given that this was based on such a popular family book? 
Well, yeah, not always that positively. So in the following weeks, the board received a number of letters from uh, people writing in, but also from cinemas questioning the decision. And one of those cinemas sent a letter saying that they had been turning away hundreds of tearful family groups because, of course, what that 12, not a 12A did was it meant that if you had 13-year-old and an 11-year-old, you couldn't, as a family, go and see it, which is different to the 12A now where you might make the decision about your 11-year-old that they will be able to cope with it. The letter from the cinema also said that the cinema had departed from its normal policy of supporting the BBFC and requested a local authority watch the film with a view to granting a PG. So the cinema actually went to their local authority and said, can you watch it and potentially give it a lower category? And in that instance, the PG was granted. So the local authority saw it and they allowed the uncut Mrs Doubtfire to go at PG. Did that happen in many areas or was it just a one-off? Well, in this case, it did happen in a few. So 38 local authorities, so that's covering over 60 cinemas, granted a PG to Mrs Doubtfire. And the film distributors again requested that the BBFC reconsider its decision to grant the film a 12. Just at this point, though, it's really worth noting that Though technically, legally, cinemas and distributors can go to local authorities to overturn BBFC decisions, this is something that is very rare. But this is an interesting example because I think people always imagine that only happens with the strongest possible material. But actually, here it is happening to this incredibly popular film. In response to that, the BBFC director James Furman reached a compromise with some of the cuts he'd suggested initially waived and just making one cut covering the more explicit sex references in the restaurant scene. What he was saying was it still did need a cut, but he had honed it down to just the most minimal intervention to achieve a PG. The proposal was sent to the film's director, Chris Columbus, who you know is obviously still a, a very influential director now, um, and that was sent in March 1994 for his approval. And in April, he agreed on the single cut and all the 12 rated versions of Mrs. Doubtfire were withdrawn from cinemas and replaced by the cut PG version. The film's first submission on video in 1994 was past PG with the same cut. So is Mrs. Doubtfire still past PG with cuts? Well, it was submitted in 2003 in its uncut version without a specific request. But interestingly, the board suggested a PG with cuts again. That decision was repeated and that was because at the time the BBFC had a policy aimed to prevent different versions of a work being a mate made available at the same category. Oh, I see. Right, so you might have had one of the old cut PGs on the shelf and then if the new 2003 version came out, like might go next to it so people might get confused. And okay. Absolutely. So there was, there was a concern that the public would get confused over that. But finally, in November 2012, in the board's centenary year, uh, the uncut version of the film was again submitted, and this time the work was recommended at 12, and the distributor accepted the 12. So now people can see Mrs Doubtfire fully uncut in the same way that people saw it for that brief few months back in the cinema in 1994. So the whole thing's there, including the cheeky restaurant scene, if people want to see it. Fantastic. I now have to go out and buy the 12 version because I realise I spent years watching the PG cut version of that restaurant scene but I'll probably actually find it funnier now that I'm an adult rather than being like seven years old and finding it completely hilarious even in the cut version probably because my parents were laughing so much and I think when you were a child like oh they're laughing and isn't Mrs Doubtfire being funny and had absolutely no idea why they were laughing so hard this film is very dear to me partly because also uh, my younger sisters were, were similarly obsessed with it and loved it when they were little but um, we use it a lot as I've said when we're talking to people in schools and uh, film groups and things like that where we go out and chat to people and I often use this clip as an example of a film that was cut because I think it's quite nice to use a film that isn't really really strong to show those sorts of issues 
and what I have never had despite showing this clip to literally thousands of people is not have people sort of almost with tears of laughter because it is a beautiful scene and so you really can understand the reluctance to cut it on both sides and the sort of desire to try and find a category and it's also quite a good example to show why the 12a was so well received when it came out and why people have really embraced it as a category because actually it's exactly the sort of film that that should be filling that space why it's sort of 12a category is needed between that pg and 15 absolutely and not the hard 12. Well, thank you, Lucy. Now, don't forget, you can tell us what you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast using the feedback form on our podcast page. You can email us on podcast at bbfc.co.uk or you can tweet us at bbfc.